0: Hey Skeeters fans! Ryan Posner here on today's episode of Down in Sugarland. My co-host Brandon and I will discuss the Skeeters' opening day roster. Yes, we have a roster. We're going to break it down for you by the infield, the outfielders, and the pitchers. And we're going to end with a little bit of grinds our gears and a little bit of negative hour. Hey, the music, Troy. All right, we've got a special episode in store for you guys. We have finally gotten the roster, our preliminary roster announced last week for the Skeeters opening day, which is May 6th at 7.35 p.m. Central Time in Albuquerque against the Rockies AAA affiliate. And Brandon, we thought this episode, we'd just uh, kind of go through the roster, position by position group, and get a breakdown of who we got. And we're going to start with the infielders, which this is a pretty veteran group, I shall say. And the infielders listed on our roster as opening day guys are Alex Degoti, CJ Henahosa. Miguel Angel Sierra and Abraham Toro and those are two guys out of that four that have major league experience the other two have played either in double a or higher so it's a pretty pretty veteran group there and a lot of talent on the board
1: Degody and Toro just coming off of recent stints up there in the MLB like you mentioned getting tons of hits so the fact that they'll be coming down will be really good but Let's kind of focus. We've, we've talked a lot about Degote and Toro. Let's first focus on the other two guys, CJ Hinojosa and Sierra as well. Let's start with CJ because he's somebody that we know very well. He played in the uh, 2020 Constellation, Constellation Energy League where he hit about 222 and 63 at bats. He's a kid that's actually from Houston. He went to Klein College up there in spring. He was actually drafted by the Astros in 2012, but he had declined to go to UT And then was finally a, uh, in 2015, was the 11th round pick by the Giants. So far in his MLB career, he's a 274 hitter, 29 home runs, 180 RBIs. He was an all-star in 2016 and 17. And actually in 2019, he had his highest batting average at 280. He's a guy that can play, you know, second base, shortstop. He's known to be a defensive trap. I mean, like nothing gets by that guy. Hits a ton of singles, but he doesn't strike out as much. So expect to see him hit towards either the top of the lineup or be that second leadoff guy in the nine holes where I, I, I'd probably slot him.
0: Yeah, it's crazy that he's he's on this roster. I got to know CJ a bit uh, last summer during the, the Constellation League, like you mentioned, Brandon, and a great dude. And uh, as you also touched on it too, you know, he got drafted by the Astros at of high school. He was a very prolific um, high school prospect coming out of uh, Klein Collins, and he went to Texas and had a great career there and getting hit by the Giants. Uh, once traded for the veteran backstop, Eric Kratz, once upon a time. That's how he ended up with the Brewers for one year. Um, and you, you touch on the defense, and you're going to see that as a theme, really, with these players. Um, I misspoke. Miguel Angel Sierra is actually the one guy who hadn't played at least a double-A. But all these guys have defensive versatility uh, up and down the board. Even a guy like Abraham Toro, who I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he'll play some outfield. We, we don't know. Um, and one infielder we actually forgot to mention because he just got down here, too, is Taylor Jones. And that's a guy you're probably going to see him play a lot of first base. Um He's six seven, so yeah.
1: Jones is going to be uh, testing out that new right field fence that's been moved in, and he's going to hit some moon shots in that role.
0: Yeah, and he's already <clears throat> been going up and down a bit this year. I think that's going to stay. Uh, as five dollars for coffin in the microphone. I, by have, the way. I was waiting for it. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, but he's he's one of the few guys on this roster that's on the forty man roster. So he's when you talk about a guy that when they lose it, maybe lose a player, he could be uh, sent up there as well, and just a big big defensive target. You touch on the power; he's got that as well. Um, and then yeah, Miguel Angel Sierra. You know he's he's the young the young guy the young uh, the young puck of this group. I mean he he peaked at uh, Fayetteville in the Carolina League High A um, in 2019, and a guy that's flashed some power. Um, played predominantly shortstop, and you know you wonder if you know if Jeremy Pena had his health this year, if maybe that's kind of the spot he might have had. But uh, very interested to see him. He's he's really the the young guy of this group. He got to. Toro, guys who've been in the majors, been around for a while. And then you got uh, Miguel Angel Sierra. What do you what do you got on him, Brandon?
1: Uh, he's 23 year old from Venezuela. You mentioned that power. I mean, he's a career 220 hitter. 42 home runs, 151 RBIs. And he actually had his best season in 2018 with Quad City where he hit 230, 11 home runs, 48 RBIs. And uh, he was an All-Star in 2016 by Baseball America Rookie All-Star team where uh I mean, in 2016, he hit 224 with 11 homers and 24 RBIs. So you can see kind of a consistent theme there with him. Good power, and especially being 23 years old, I think with more time and as he adapts that bat, you're going to see those home runs really go up. I'm very excited to see how that power will translate on the road when he's in that elevation.
0: Oh, yeah, and they're going to start there at Albuquerque. And that, talk about elevation, that might be one of the most pitter-friendly parks in the league. And then you go to Salt Lake and you got... Las Vegas and and the like there. And then, you know, it's moved down here through the list. And you go to a guy that Astros fans really don't need a lot of introduction to. That's Abraham Toro. I mean, he really grew to fame in 19 when he had the home run and a couple of defensive plays that aided a Justin Verlander no-hitter. And then he's another guy, you know, Brandon, who's played in the majors this year, six games. Last year in the shortened season of 60 games, he played in 33 games. So he's been a guy that's no stranger to big league time. Um, A switch hitter, plays mostly third base. Um, very, uh, just a versatile human being in general, born in Canada, can speak French as, as well as English. Um, and he can speak Spanish. So he's, he's got a lot going on from his brother actually played in the Canadian American league. So our former indie associations kind of tie in there. But I, really when I look at this roster, other than maybe Taylor Jones, he's a guy that I think Astros fans are like, okay, yeah, I I'm well aware. And maybe Degody falls in that, in that, uh, realm too. But as far as major experience, he has, he owns the most service time of any player in innings and games.
1: Depending on how Toro starts, he could be somebody if he gets off to a really hot start that may not make it to the home stretch here when we when we pick up a constellation in May 20th, because he might be on the Astros roster. Depending, I mean, he he's got that kind of bat, that kind of versatility. Like you said, being a switch hitter, he, he really is a predominant at this point almost more third baseman, but he can still play around the diamond as well. Very versatile. But let's talk about now the next thing that I found very interesting. We're carrying four catchers. Who are the four catchers that are we, we have on squad right now?
0: Yeah, So, so it, and this defensive versatility is kind of one of those things that's really just an overlined feature of the Astros organization. That's something you see now as a, a, a predominant thing. And two guys, Colton Shaver and Michael Papierski, um, both have experience playing corner infield spots. So um, they're listed as catchers on the roster, um, but the, you might see them play in more than one spot there. I mean, Garrett Stubbs is the guy when you look at uh, of all the catchers. And also there's Renzo Quintana was the last one that rounds out that group um stubs i would i would presume gets the majority of the starts um he's a guy again on the 40 man roster he's already been up to the big leagues this year got some defensive playing time in the alcs last year he's, he's a veteran catcher his brother cj is actually on the uh, double a corpus christi hooks um and i, I would presume that he's going to get the majority of the starts unless of course he goes back up to the major league level and then yeah lorenzo quintana is an interesting story he's actually the oldest guy on the team at 32 years old um from cuba Um, great offensive numbers throughout his career Um, and a guy that, you know, is kind of an outlier. You know, I think his career in the minor leagues is young even though he's 32 years old.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's only played two seasons in the minors, like you mentioned, 278 hitter, 28 home runs, 98 RBIs overall. But his best season was in 2019, actually. He played 43 games for Corpus Christi, where he hit three twenty one with 11 home runs, 37 RBIs. He played 31 games in Round Rock, so he moved up to AAA, where he hit two sixty six home runs, and 19 RBIs. But you mentioned it. The reason why that we haven't had much that uh, tape on him, and the only reason is those two seasons, is he actually played seven seasons in Cuba, where he was a dominant hitter. He averaged three ten. I mean, in, in over seven seasons, he's somebody that can uh, really handle the bat. Even though thirty two years old, you think like, yikes, that's a really old minor leaguer. But he's going to bring such a veteran presence to the team that it's it's more of like having another coach on the staff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the the two guys Quintana and, and Stubbs. I mean, those are those are two one obviously with major league experience and Quintana is just with the age and um I mean think about how many pitchers he's probably caught in his career at age yeah. 32. And Papirsky, uh, a guy that he's a switch hitter, could probably mostly catcher Shavers really the one that you might see him. He's you could you can make an argument that he could be less as an infielder. Um, you really think Papirski is
1: going to be the catcher? I mean, he's 6'3", 224. <laughs> 6'3", is a really big catcher. He's like
0: only I, he's only played he's only played two games outside of catcher in his career. Um, he, he went to LSU, so yeah. you know they they're growing big town there in Louisiana, even though he's from Illinois. Um, but uh, I I don't think it's a bad idea to have a couple extra catchers on your roster. You you just never know. And, I just never have heard a catcher six three. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big fella. Um and. Obviously, too, you have the DH. So this just because you have four catchers, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you have to play them all uh, at catcher. So I think that's it's just it is interesting. You know, usually you don't see the team carry four catchers, but I think in this case, given that one of them has some really good defensive versatility, it's not when, when you think about it that you really have three full time catchers. Maybe you see Quintana play a little bit of first base, but.
1: I, you're right, because Stubbs, I mean, he's a Johnny Bench winner. He also has a great bat. He's probably yeah. going to be the everyday guy. Papierski, I, I wouldn't be surprised to start to see him play a little bit of the field, too. Uh, you mentioned he's out of LSU, where he was a two forty six hitter. He was actually drafted by the Astros in 2017, then the uh, ninth round. Uh his MLB career, he's played three years in the minors, all in single A, where he's a 210 hitter with 17 home runs and 83 RBIs. His best season was in 2019 in Fayetteville, where he had 233, seven home runs and 38 RBIs. Uh, he's somebody that, reading through all the scouting reports, he's going to really make pitchers work deep into their counts. So, very patient hitter. My, it, Tends to be a high strikeout guy, but also draws a ton of walks. So, really good eye at the plate. I think Papierski is going to be somebody that, if he can start to grow into that size and have the bat go in there, I mean, six three, two twenty four. 224, one more time, you know? Once he starts putting, we're going to have a big team between him and Taylor Jones. <laughs> like, if yeah. bench is clear, I've got money
0: on our guys for <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, I think that speaks to Papirski. You know, we don't know what I, what the inside is like, but I, I'd imagine his relationship with the pitchers probably has a lot to do with him being up – here in triple a rather than maybe starting a lower level to help some of that catching depth out. Um, Overall, I think the catching group is, is quite strong, Um, especially just when you have it headed by Garrett Stubbs, who, I mean, as far as a triple a depth catcher goes, I mean, you can probably go through all 30 rosters. There's not many teams who have a guy like Garrett Stubbs who you could trust as they did last year to catch an inning in the American league championship series in a pinch. But he's also, you have him in AAA as depth. The Astros catching core in general with Maldonado and Castro and then Stubbs. One, two, three is very, very strong.
1: Well, another guy I don't want to kind of overlook, Colton Shaver. I mean, 25 years old out of uh, uh, BYU. He was drafted by the Astros in 2017 in the 39th round he's been three seasons in the minors 232 hitter 47 home runs 160 rbis yeah i mean that's the big thing i mean just can really drive in runs his best season was in 2019 where he hit 248 21 home runs 72 rbis i mean he played 58 games in fayetteville uh where he was a mid-season all-star and then he played 55 games for corpus which he was a 223 hitter 15 home runs and 39 rbis so Look for us to really be able to drive the ball out of there because Colton Schaefer, he can swing the stick as well.
0: Yeah, and really the versatile defensive uh, possibilities with him are very, very enticing and exciting as well. There is the catchers and infielders we'll open the season with. I can guarantee you that's going to change quite a bit this year, (laughs) but it's fun to finally have some names on paper and we can go through it and talk about who we got and up next we're going to talk about another position group and that is the outfielders and we'll be right back here on down in sugarland Hey Skeeters fans, every Estonian knows that Cherokee King Backyard Store is the first and only stop for when you upgrade your backyard. With the largest selection of outdoor furniture anywhere, you're sure to find the right look for your new backyard oasis. The finest quality merchandise at the lowest possible price every day. That's the Cherokee King difference. Cherokee King Backyard Store is proud to be the official outdoor furniture retailer of the Sugarland Skeeters. Visit one of the eight greater showrooms today. We're gonna sound a little redundant here, Brandon. I mean, we just talked about the catchers and the infielders, and how I was really in love with this this group. And there's not a position group I'm not in love with. The outfielders here, too, for the Skeeters and the Prelim roster are really exciting. Um, there's guys, a couple, one guy with major league experience, and the rest are some pretty intriguing prospects just down the list. I mean, we can just we can start here with, with a guy who you know has been with the Astros since he was 16 years old and has kind of been a, a fast riser, Brian De La Cruz, and a guy that you know kind of made a push there at the end when there was some uncertainty with the Astros outfield um, as as to maybe making the major league roster and he you know he's a guy that as I mentioned has been with the Astros for quite a while a right fielder Um, his bat has really started to progress as the years have gone on and he got up to double A and hit 283 in 2019 Um, and I I think he's someone that maybe is a little bit under the radar um, to, to an average fan but he's a guy that you could see at Minute Maid Park here I think sometime this year.
1: Yeah, Brian, he's 24 years old from the Dominican Republic, Uh, six years in his minor league career. Uh, The highest level he reached is double A. He actually started out as a shortstop uh, when he signed with the Astros in 2013. But uh, overall, his MLB career, he's a 268 hitter, 16 home runs, 178 RBIs. I mean, that's the one thing he's got a good bat on him. His best season was 2018, where he hit 289, only two home runs, but 62 RBIs. So you can see that was a a huge jump that he made. But uh, he was a midseason all-star for Quad uh, Quad City. His 2019 was off to a better start, but he was uh, sidelined due to his hand being sliced in a steal attempt. And so he had to spend significant time on that. I mean, just that alone just makes you cringe thinking about it. But he's actually working on adding muscle. Uh, The Astros wanted Cruz to put on 10 to 20 pounds... Of good muscle can you imagine that like usually you get told to like <laughs> hey lose 20 pounds but like adding 20 pounds of good muscle uh solid power great speed and, and you mentioned it most likely he's going to be slotted in their right field and he, he's gonna be really exciting in that lineup
0: yeah he doesn't show up on a lot of of those top 30 prospect lists um and but I think' it's, if you give the astros a chance to make their own top 30 prospect lists I'd be surprised if he didn't if he didn't fall into there um Another guy who maybe doesn't get talked about a lot is uh, Jake Myers. Uh spent his college days in Nebraska and on baseball America. He does. He is rated as having the best outfield defense among the Astros entire, their entire minor league system. Um, another guy who's peaked at double A. So this will be his first time playing at the triple A level, but you know, really a defensive first center fielder. Um, you know, that's a, that, that's a spot where the Astros, obviously they lost a big piece in, in George Springer last year. So, you know, the guy who comes out and kind of announces his presence with authority, maybe he's a quick riser. Um, Play with Darren Erstad out there in Omaha. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited to see him um, roam the roam the the green grass out here at Constellation Field in Center Field. Jake Myers is really interesting. 24 years
1: old. He's actually from Omaha. You mentioned it. He went to Nebraska, where at Nebraska he was actually one of the best two way players. He was a pitcher and an outfielder. He was a 2017. Ole finalist. And that goes to the two the best two-way players. There's only five people who get nominated for the award. And while he was at Nebraska, he was a career 307 hitter. But then on the pitching side, he was 17 and 4 with a 2.61 ERA. And not only is he an incredible baseball player, he's also an incredible brain. I mean, he was a part of the academic All Big Ten team in 2016 and 17. So he's somebody that is a really solid player it's interesting that he's primarily only focusing on the outfield side of him now and it's working out i mean considering in the three years that he's played he's a 256 hitter with 20 home runs 104 rbis his best season was actually in 2018 where uh, he was in high a and with quad city he had 302 five home runs 22 rbis so i'm excited for jake i think uh, I, I hope maybe we can get him back into the pitching slot too so you know he can be our Otani kind of a deal because <laughs> he can deal as well but good speed Jake is going to be really fun to watch out there in outfield as well
0: yeah that, I mean hey those the two-way guys are definitely becoming more of a thing and uh, I mean you look at the, at Fayetteville in 2019 and he slashed 258, 336, 428 had a little bit of power eight home runs and then he hit one while he was in Corpus so he spent a bulk of his season there at Fayetteville um, and had really good numbers on the offensive side as well and uh, moving down now here, the list, uh, uh, one of the guys that has been, you know, one of the more intriguing prospects in all of baseball um, over the last couple of years has Jose Siri, who signed a minor league deal with the Astros this off season. I mean, this guy has tools galore. He's got the speed, the power, the defense. I mean, uh, someone that if you were a Reds fan and happen to be listening to this, you've heard Jose Siri's name for a long time. He's the guy you're waiting to come out um, and and just break out for the Reds. He never ended up having that chance signing with the Astros. Not on the 40-man roster, but, you know, I, I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that, I mean, they signed him for a reason there on a minor league invite and then gave him a chance to come to AAA. And, and Jose Siri, I think, is someone that, you know, if you go by straight tools, he is one of the best outfielders in the system.
1: Yeah, he's got the entire works. I mean, you, you mentioned it, tools, tools, tools. We, we've, we've talked about him several times on the podcast as well. He's going to be, I, I think he if he develops – He'll be the guy that is one of the most popular jerseys that's selling you know, in the team store for sure. Just because he's going to be so exciting to watch. Jose is not only going to be tracking down balls in between gaps, but getting on base, whether he's knocking them out of the park, he's getting on base, stealing bases. He's just the overall fun part of baseball that I feel like is missing out right now. Uh, and then the final guy that we have... And a little bit of pop uh, that he came up and got his first uh, major league hit, Ronnie Dawson.
0: Yeah, I think Ronnie Dawson's going to be quickly become a very big fan favorite in Sugarland. I think he's already been a... I mean, anyone that's been to Corpus or Round Rock, I mean, they he's he's been a fan favorite in the system. You know, the former, the Ohio State Buckeye. And man, it was so great seeing him get that hit. And you just, like, they did a slow-mo video of him after he got by first base. And, like, the slow-mo video, you almost realize, like, in real time, like, how much of a relief that was. A guy who... I mean, a very, very prolific college player, has really put up good numbers all through the minors and finally got his chance, and it came at a very unfortunate time for the Astros, but that's that's one of those things where it's like a silver line amidst all of that. You got guys like Alex Degote and Ronnie Dawson, guys who have, you know, busted their butts throughout the minor leagues to get their chance, and when they got up there, they finally got their hit, and uh, Ronnie Dawson, man, power and speed, and I think as a left-handed hitter, he's going to really benefit from that wall and right field being pulled in a little bit. So, there's only three spots that you can actually put an
1: outfielder: Dawson, Daylight Cruz, Myers, and then Jose Siri. Who's starting?
0: Uh, I think it depends. It's gonna. I could see it being a platoon kind of thing because you have, you know, one lefty and three righties. Um, I guess it could be. if You got a lefty on the mound. You could see the three righties go out there. I think one of the nice things is that, uh, most of these guys could pretty much play all three spots. Um especially Siri and Myers are in center field. Um, I think Ronnie Dawson and, and De La Cruz maybe profile more as corner guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, it, and Ronnie Dawson can certainly play center field. I'm sure it's Brian De La Cruz as well. So it's tough to to say, you know, who might get those starts. I, I mean, I think I think out of all those four guys, I think Ronnie Dawson's a guy, as long as there's a ride down the mountain opening day, you can pretty much pen him in there. Um, as for the other three, I think it'll be a platoon. Um, I think that's the beauty of the minor leagues is it's not necessarily – always uh when loss oriented it's a lot of development too of course those guys want to go out there and get a w but um you know if, if they hey if brian de la cruz is getting hot and the big club's like hey we want to see more de la cruz you're going to see a lot of brian de la cruz you know and i think that's kind of a, a different f- difference from the skeeters we've seen in the past as an independent ball level where it's just wins and losses you kind of went very safe there. You, uh, I did. You, you gave the answer <laughs>
1: without being bold and deciding who <laughs> you were putting in right field, center field, and left field. I'll do it for you. How about that, Ryan? I see De La Cruz probably being the starting right fielder. I'm going to go with Siri in center and then Dawson in left. That's that's going to be my opening day prediction. I think Myers comes on either later in the, uh, like the seventh inning, etc., depending on the situation. But I, I think with those three guys – I mean, heck, any one of them, man. I mean, th- yeah. that, that's the thing with our outfield. There's no wrong answer there. Yeah, this is a situation, and you're so right. You can put them anywhere, and you feel good about it. Not only with them being able to track things down in the gap, but all four of those guys, solid arms, too. Like, you're not yeah. going to run on them.
0: Yeah, it's a very strong outfield. And, you know, I mean, I think the minor leagues also lends itself to giving guys some chances out there. I mean, maybe you do see Taylor Jones get a game in the outfield. And this is just speculation. Maybe – abraham toro gets a game out there i mean i think that's something that is worth noting um but i i think i think you're you're uh, you're on the right track there though brian i think you're on the right track there as far as our opening day outfield and um i'm excited to see those players again may 6th opening day may 20th here at constellation field and next up on down in sugarland we'll break down the pitchers on this roster and there's plenty to go over there make sure to stick around Okay, Brandon, we have reached the pitching staff, the final portion of our prelim roster as we get ready for her opening day, May 6th at Albuquerque. And make sure you tune in to SugarlandSkeaters.com uh, to find the link to listen to the game. And the pitching staff, Brandon, I'm just going to read off the names and we'll kind of just break it down. Um, certain guys want to highlight. So alphabetically, Ronel Blanco, Brett Canine, Sean Dubin, Riley Farrell, Ralph Garza Jr., Austin Hansen, Ryan Hartman, Tyler Ivy, Seth Martinez, Colin McKee, Nevaldo Rodriguez, Kit Sheets, Johanze Torres, and Hector Velasquez. Brandon, where do you want to start here?
1: Let's go with Brett Cunhine. I mean, he's somebody that's 24 years old out of uh, Orange County in California. I mean, he's... Uh Somebody that went to Cal State Fullerton, where he was a really good pitcher at Cal State. It's so a good
0: program, too. A lot of people don't know that. Cal State Fullerton Long Beach State out there, they get after it.
1: Yeah, no, they, I mean, they've won a couple of college World Series. They beat Texas one year in an infamous World Series. But he actually, uh, while he was the closer at Cal State, he actually recorded more saves than walks in three uh, college seasons. 25 saves, 19 walks. Uh, he's somebody that is going to be really good out of the pen he's got great speed in fact a lot of the scouting reports talked about he might not much need to, uh, might not need much time there we go in the minors uh he has a high floor with a good chance of becoming like a back end rotation starter or probably like your middle relief pitcher uh he's great command he's got a changeup that they're talking about could be pretty elite over time uh, he can command both sides of the plate. He uh, creates a lot of ground ball contact. So he'll be somebody that will have double play material written all over him. And I think because of that ground balls that he can get, that's probably why he'll be more of a middle relief going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, as you mentioned, he was a two-time All-Big West guy at, at Cal State Fullerton, and, um, was their closer. Um, but as of last, you know, or I shouldn't say last year, it's 2019. You know, he was you know 25 games, 15 starts. So he's looking like he's they're kind of trying to see how he's going to develop. I'm interested to see how he gets used this year and in terms of yeah, I mean he's like he's a fast riser man. This is only his third minor league season and now he's at the Triple A level. Um I think that goes to show you, you know, the program he played for. Um he's 24 years old, you know, he's had the college experience. I mean, he could be in the rotation, he could be in the bullpen this year. I think it doesn't hurt to maybe stretch him out and see what it looks like as a starter at the minor league level, but um one of those guys where He's, he's, he's a, a pretty high-range prospect. You know, Baseball America has them inside their top 10. Um, MLB.com has them inside the top 20. So um, certainly someone who I think Astros fans are going to want to keep an eye on here. Going down the road, who's next, Brandon? What we got?
1: Sean Dubin, 25 years old, out of New York. Uh, he was actually drafted by the Astros in 2018 uh, in the 13th round. He went to Georgetown and before you think the Hoyas, no Georgetown, Kentucky, the student population of 1600. Oh, wow. he actually became the school's first draft pick in 21 years. So 1,600 kids to be found that way, really good player as well. Uh, in his two years in the minor leagues, he's a nine and six uh, win loss record, 3.79 ERA, 182 strikeouts, three saves, hitters average a buck 98 so he's somebody that will be really dominant has a four seam fastball that's been sitting around 90 miles per hour but he's looking to start approaching that 93 97 and could possibly even dial it up to the uh to the triple digits has a nasty slider that can drop down in about to the 80s it's really something that will have a ton of movement on it so expect him to be able to tie up left handers and right handers get a lot of broken back kind of ground balls and then He's actually somebody that's a little bit smaller and skinnier. The, actual, uh, the Astros have asked him to kind of like beef up a little bit. So they don't really know if he's going to be somebody that will be like a multi-inning reliever. But either way, he's got the stuff that can really be up there in the next level.
0: Yeah, he's he's a guy too, you know, ranked inside the top 30 for Baseball America and MLB.com. Um, was mostly a starter in 2019. And I, I just find it interesting, you know, you lost that year. So you see that he pitched at you know Fayetteville, the high A team. Um, now they're the low A team for those that are concerned with that matter. Asheville is now the high A team. But uh, as I get back on track here, that they I think they just trust a veteran guy like you know Sean Dubin to go out there, and he's able to. He lost that year of of development, but you know they presume that he would have been in double A. At worst last year, maybe have risen to triple A. So,
1: no, you mentioned the fact that he was pitching, like doing some starting. And the reason is he added 25 pounds because, again, the Astros were talking about how he was skinnier. So, they wanted that more weight because for those starters, you really kind of need that excess body weight to go longer in innings. And you're right, in 2019, he was. He was amazing for Fayetteville. In 22 games, uh, he had a 6-5, uh, 6-5 win-loss, 3.92 ERA, 132 strikeouts. So you can see not only did he add that weight, but the Ks are coming with it.
0: And I'm going to bring up a guy now that I'm I'm kind of intrigued by, and that's the righty Austin Hanson, uh Oklahoma, boomer Soomer guy. Um, he, he also uh, peaked at uh, Fayetteville last year, but a guy that – he is a fireballer. He is going to light up the radar gun here at Constellation Field. Um, there's a guy that we'll get to in a little bit who actually might throw a little bit harder. Um, but very interested to see uh, Austin Hansen. I think you know he's going to get a crack to start as well as relieve this year. Um, and you know, it. I think you you have to look at the guys that they they chose. Uh, the Astros chose to kind of bypass that. You know, Corpus Christi time and send him straight up to sugar land. And I think Austin Hansen has, he has big league stuff, man. Like he's got a big league fastball. Um, and that'll, that'll play. Um, and also he, I guess, I he's got the time at tech or Oklahoma rather, um, that, you know, maybe the, the being in a program like that, they trust that he's, he's going to be a little bit farther in his development than some of the younger guys.
1: Yeah. He's only 24 years old out of Lenexa, Kansas. Uh, he has two years in his under his belt in his minor league career. Nine six win loss, two point oh two ERA, one hundred and eighty three strikeouts. Hitters only average a buck fifty two against him. And actually, in twenty nineteen, his last full season, in ninety four innings pitched, he was nine and six with a two point eleven ERA, one hundred twenty eight strikeouts. He he pitched for he was a mid season all star in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. And you mentioned it that strong fastball. It's averaging in there any between 93-96. ninety three ninety six. Good slider in the low 80s. So the fact that he can dial it down almost 16 miles per hour with a ball that's going to have Good movement. Luck. Yeah, exactly. And then not only that, he has a curveball that goes up to the high 70s. So he is going to have. An extreme fastball that he can pop on the outside as well and then hit you with a slide piece that's going to drop 16 miles per hour and then start moving all over the place. And then a possible curve that's going to be in the 70s. It's insane. He's, he's projected to be a middle reliever. Uh, the only thing, though, that he's doing is he's working on uh, hit, lowering his walk rate. And high A, he averaged 5.5, not, uh, 5.5 walks per nine innings. But again... He's got that stuff that could really be elite and be somebody that we're really going to rely on in those late innings, especially when we got to get out of a jam. It'll be an unfair situation to call on him and say, "Hey, bail us out." But he's got the nastiest stuff.
0: Yeah, he he definitely has some of that plus plus stuff out of the bullpen. And uh, next up is a guy that I think is going to play a pretty much the most integral role in the Skeeters' rotation as long as he's with the Skeeters, and that's Tyler Ivey. Um, presumed presumably, you know, maybe your opening day starter. Uh, not confirmed again. Just this kind of just. Throwing that around, um, a guy who kind of works off deception. Six four. Um, he's he's you know he's kind of wiry. One ninety five, and um, he's got like kind of like a, like Alex Wood for those that are maybe thinking like he's got a very like Clayton Kershaw. He, all those from the right side. Both those guys are lefties, but you get the idea. He works off a lot of deception. He is, if you go by MLB.com, a, our highest ranked prospect, number nine overall on MLB Pipeline. Um, Sean Dubin's at the next one there at eleven, but. Um, I think Tyler Ivey, as far as the pitching staff goes, and you know, being that he's on the 40-man roster, if you're a fan, you know, this is a guy where you're really checking in on the box score, the days he pitches, how many innings did he go, um, what are the walks, of strikeouts looking like? Um, and and all that kind of good stuff. Um, Very excited to see him pitch. We
1: we projected him as the opening day starter, just basing it off what they were doing with the uh, the games that they played down in Round Rock, and he pitched twice out there and dominated both starts. I mean, he was going five, six innings, scoreless innings as well. I think he gets the bump on putting day when, when we pick up on May 6th. I hope he's still with us and doesn't get moved up simply just because he might win 20 games if he stays with us all season. <laughs> he is so dominant. I, I really look forward to him. We've got a lot of guys on this roster that, that there are people that can be anywhere from like middle relief, long relief to even starters. So sure. just as versatile as those infielder outfielders were same thing with our staff
0: okay and going down the list you know you got seth martinez uh triple a guy from the oakland days that we picked up during the off season um, going back up the list uh ralph garza jr another veteran guy brandy got anything on him
1: yeah kind of the old man on the staff at 27 years old uh from edinburgh texas he went to high school in new Bromfels. uh ryan i'm gonna put you on the spot do you know the new Bromfels? Mascot.
0: I actually do because yes. I have family out there. They're the Cougars, right? No, they're the Unicorns. Oh no! I okay. There, there's a couple of high schools out way there. Different. There's like the Canyon High School, which Lance Berkman went to as well. Oh no, no. So, so I'm so th- thinking of a new, like new Braunfels, like high new school, Braunfels high school.
1: Unicorns.
0: Wow. So my
1: favorite thing to ask whenever I hear somebody say like, "Oh, did you go to New Braunfels?" I always ask them, "Were you a unicorn?" And you'll get an immediate laugh. So if you meet them, that's going to be a way to break the wow. ice.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think though when you ask me that question, to think that like cougar was like some epic mascot. I should have probably figured it was a little bit. Yeah. Friends. More.
1: Yeah. The fact that I pull it out. Yep. It was a Cougar, just like yep. the other million mascots know, that also that was, have Cougars. Whoops. No, but anyway, Garza jr. He came out of OU as well. Uh, 2015. He was a 26 round pick by the Astros. Five seasons in the minor leagues. Uh, he actually spent two seasons playing in Venezuela, uh, but he's a 25 wins, 12 loss record, 3.79 ERA, 333 strikeouts. Love that little nice numbers there. 14 saves. Uh, his best season was actually in 2019 with Round Rock, where he was eight and one, 404 ERA, but 80 strikeouts, 28 walks. He also had five saves and 11 save opportunities, and hitters were only averaging just above the Mendoza line at 202.
0: Yeah, a couple of Sooners on the roster they are cutting it up. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as we kind of round it out here, I mean, obviously Kit Sheets, a good veteran left-handed arm they've got there out of Virginia Tech guy who wasn't even drafted, a very interesting story as he's progressed to the minor leagues. Um, Hector Velasquez, former Boston Red Sox, he's, got, he's actually had some pretty extensive major league experience. Uh, Astros acquired him middle of last year via trade with the Orioles, so a lot of fans may not have caught that Um not under 40, man, but a guy with, you know, as far as his pitching staff goes, you know, the most major league uh, service time. And lastly, you know, Brandon, one guy I wanted to really kind of touch on was Johanzee Torres. And he's 25 years old. And, you know, I mentioned when we talked about Austin Hansen, there's one guy who may throw harder out of that bullpen. And it's Johanse Torres. He was the first out in spring training. He was throwing 97 mile per, miles per hour this year. Um, he's worth the price of admission to come see him pitch.
1: You're exactly right. I mean, he operates around 94, 98, and he'll top out at 100. Uh, He's got high spin rates on his 14 fastball. He has the ability to keep that velocity for, like, five or six innings per start. So it's having, like, a degrom that can go out there throwing almost triple digits for almost six innings. That's insane. He's going to really put up some power up there. And not only that, my favorite is if the hitters try to sit on his heater— I mean, he's got a nasty slider that's down there in the 80s, and he can actually peak the slider at 90 miles per hour, which is just mind-blowing knowing how much movement is on that ball going at 90. It's insane. So with those kind of power pitches right there, he's somebody, if he can put it together, he'll be next level for sure.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and another guy, like, kind of like Austin Hansen, he peaked at Fayetteville at high A, but they're trusting that that stuff's going to play right away um, and very exciting. And one guy we didn't really touch on was Navaldo Rodriguez. We figure you guys listening to the podcast are Astros fans. I mean, he pitched in the majors last year, um, you know, on the forty band roster, and he's already pitched at the majors this season. So you guys you guys have a good idea. We wanted to kind of focus on some guys that maybe you haven't heard of and wanted a little more info on, on that. Well, me and Brandon just nerded out and I, I had a good time doing it, Brandon. That was that was fun. Yeah, that was very baseball. Well, when we come back here, we are we've done a couple of happy hours. We're gonna kinda of flip the script here. We're gonna talk about some of our pet peeves with negative out right here on down and sugarland. All right, time to wrap up this episode with the first rendition of Negative Hour. We've had Happy Hour a few times, and now we're just going to kind of get some of the, the the pet peeves off our chest here. And uh, Brandon, you want about lead off on this one?
1: So I recently moved to a new place, and when I moved, I promised myself this time I wasn't going to bring cable with me. So I did the whole quote-unquote cut the cord. I was going to stream and with that i was like okay i'm losing watching the astros on my cable service but it's cool i'm gonna get mlb tv so i pay for the whole year subscription click on the first astros game and then pops up this game is blacked out and then i start to like i i've i didn't know that was still a thing i heard about it a long time ago but i thought it only happened to like the jacksonville jaguars because no one was watching so they would black out their games but no, that's an everything local market. So I want to bring this to attention so that way we fight back. If I'm paying a subscription, I get all the games, period. And if, if it's a cable thing, then if I'm watching it on like a local Astros game, just give it to a dual stream. Say that I'm watching it on stream and then also give it to whatever the cable provider is. I'm fed up with being blacked out on this.
0: The man just wants to watch his Astros.
1: Yeah, I have to. Only way I can watch it now is listening to it on radio. I feel like I've gone back in time
0: with Shane. Although Robert Ford and C. Sparks, man, those guys got the goods. They incredible. Yeah, they're great. But uh, I understand where you're coming from on that one. Uh, Troy, do you have a pet peeve you want to get off your chest?
2: Yeah, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to go with people standing in doorways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's only one route, and you're standing in it. Just move you could talk or do all your you know what i don't even know like people just stand in the doorway and just stand there and i'm like please move i don't want to have to ask you to move so yeah that's uh that's
1: picking backing off what yours is another one for me slow walkers oh for sure when you're like going down the sidewalk or anywhere where it's like even a big hallway and somebody is just at a crawling pace in front of you Mm -hmm. all you want to do is like do just move (laughs) like it's, yeah. it,
2: it's truly a patient test. Rules yeah, to the
0: road. I mean, get over the get over to the right. Let the fast walkers go left. I mean, get, make a make a four lane highway in the hallway.
2: Yeah, I have that happen to me at H E B all the time, and it's, right, it's the worst. Just the mosing, and
1: it's like, oh, my cart's massive, but who else is here on a Saturday?
2: But it's when I'm trying to leave too. It's like I'm an exiting, and like they're just slowly going, and
1: I'm like. Please move. I just want to walk by you. So fast. It's just amazing that it's like. Well, I find this fascinating, so I'm going to stop anybody else in my presence who might want to walk
2: <laughs> through
0: a door. Well, then I, the, the funny part is too is like in the head you're just raging, but yes. then you're like when well, you walk by them, it's like, Ew, excuse me, coming by. Yeah, like, right? <laughs> like, it's <laughs> like so the true. it's like the nicest, most like courteous, like, hey, like get out of the way, but yeah. like also like. Uh, excuse me come by like right but in it, your head i mean you were just raging at them nah,
2: right. d- nah dude I, I cut them off with like my rear <laughs>
1: <laughs> right yeah you gotta you gotta go exactly. back it up to them and then just I, you're exactly right instead of it being like beat it it's always pardon yeah <laughs> yeah
0: like in your head you're like man i'm gonna let this person have it it's like excuse me
1: <laughs> like, ryan what are you railing against
0: well uh brandon it's i'm glad you asked me because you know <laughs> something that happens you know not too often anymore but it does it's kind of on troy's line of thinking here happens maybe in a walkway it's when somebody steps on the back of your heel and your shoe comes off flat tire yeah flat tire it like it's like a complete like reset of your entire wardrobe and like and usually it's a complete accident like and that's why it's hard like you can't go like go return like what the heck are you doing like but that is like one of those things where like i just immediately am so angry when it happens because it's like startling you need to put your shoe back on are you a flip-flop guy uh i've never okay so i'm from a place where there's beaches and you I could say the city San Diego, California, and, and I, a place where there's a lot of flip-flops. I do not even, I don't own a pair of those open trod atrocities. Really? I, I am a non flip-flop guy. I, I've been to a, like a place where they made you wear flip-flops to like this club beach club, the kind of area. And I'm like, yeah, we're not going there. Can I'm I, a,
2: can I bring up a, another peeve of mine? Now yeah. You brought that up. Go ahead. Flip-flops and bars on, yeah. in your dude. <laughs> don't, don't wear them in a bar Don't go, don't go to
0: San Diego mean well, it depends,
2: depends what type of bar Like if it's like a t, You know something like That's like Like beach. a beach bar Like yeah. if I'm in Galveston Yeah for sure Like that's okay That's understandable Any other time? What if I live by a lake? Wear where clothes Dude like you go to the bathroom And you know I'm with you on that
1: That's when I Like cause like I'll wear flip flops I don't care I'm, I'll be that guy But like You're right I don't become aware that I'm wearing flip-flops until I reach the restroom. And then it's
0: like, oh, I really wish I wore shoes. (laughs) It's like, it's funny that you mentioned that, like, people that know me, you mentioned, do you wear flip-flops? Because that's, like, one of my biggest, like, stances on, like, I don't. But, like, I don't disparage people who wear flip-flops. I just personally would never in my life wear them. But I don't see a guy with flip-flops and think less of him or her. You know, I'm like, I just don't wear flip-flops. Why? What what did the flip-flop do to you? I don't know. I just don't like, I don't know. I just want to wear shoes. Do you feel vulnerable? Dude, I I go to the beach and I wear shoes and people are like, oh, that guy's never been to the beach before. So actually, I grew up on the beach. Like I, I you, you would think I had never seen a body of water before. When you see my wardrobe to a beach, I go socks to <laughs> shoes. Are yeah. you kidding me? I'm like the guy in Rocket Power, the shoeby Are you like?
2: Are you like a never nude, but with like? <laughs> yeah,
0: with <laughs> shoes. shoes. Nah, man. I just, I always like. I like my closed-toed shoes. I like my sneakers. I, I, don't. I don't own a pair of flip-flops. Wait, I don't play when
1: you name. get to the beach, though, will you take off socks? Oh, and shoes? absolutely. Okay. I yeah. didn't know if you were just like out there. Uh, just looking just, absolutely ridiculous. I'm wearing ridiculous.
0: my wearing my New Balances into the into the water. Skimboarding with
1: yeah. a <laughs> <laughs> like on a surfboard, just dress socks. Like I just. Yeah. The only thing though is. Don't you feel like you track all the sand home with you wearing Oh, that? it's
0: just a mess. The beach is one of those things where it's so much better in concept than it is when you when you come home. It's just it's just Says a mess. Says the kid from San Diego. Let's be honest,
2: <laughs> you're tracking sand home
0: regardless true. of what, Oh but yeah. But i
1: flip-flops, I can kick those off, put my feet under the hose and walk in. But like if I'm wearing yeah. shoes.
0: That's true. And it, it, that it does lend itself to that, but even then, I mean, you're getting sand in the car, you're sunburned, you're going home. I mean, it's just it's all kind of just going home from the beach is a very sour right home. So
1: the the whole reason
0: <laughs> Ryan hates the beach.
1: I know, right? It fits in with a negative hour, even with the flip flops. Ryan's. Hated I the love beach.
0: the beach, though. I love like I don't. Sounds like it. I don't go surfing. Like that's one thing. Again, like I don't. I've never surfed in my life, even though i have a lot of friends that surf. It oh, sounds like you love the beach. But I love like boogie boarding, body boarding. Like I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Just wailing yeah just don't just <laughs> don't wear flip-flops to the beach i'm a big socks and shoes so guy. i originally asked you because
1: you you hate getting flat tired and the reason why i asked you do you wear flip flops because if you get flat tired with a shoe easy repair it comes right off but if you get flat tired on a flip-flop you go flying or you rip the flip-flop in half so it's like literally yeah. it's a blown out tire more than it is flat tire. yeah
0: no i mean that's i i like maybe that's why my hatred for flip-flops maybe it's just born from that like i don't even know maybe that's like a like it's deep the inside. Me. Doom is coming. Yeah, I don't it's like an internal thing. But uh no, I just when people step and it would like it would happen like in high school, you get like into a congested hallway and like or sometimes, you know, your your buddy would do it on purpose, and you're like, dude, that's not funny. Like I'm not I'm not a, I didn't I didn't find that practical joke funny. But it happens in public to a stranger, like you can get mad at them. They didn't do it on purpose, but it's Yeah, just, you can. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's like one of those things where it's guy. like they're yeah. they're they're like oh my god I'm so sorry oh are you it's okay no biggie but in my head I'm like Give that me was 50 bucks. I'm like that was a big how sorry are you <laughs> yeah yeah so well all right that's we, we got some stuff off our chest there I think I think we were all are all better for it here <laughs> therapy hour yeah right all right folks well thank you for so much for listening to Down in Sugarland make sure to rate subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts we'll talk to you next week.